Well, last week was Valentine's Day. How did you celebrate it? Did you do something special for that special loved one? Did you get a particular gift that he or she maybe would really like and that was an expression of your love? It's kind of funny, isn't it? How we have made the, the measure of the expression of our love uh, into a Hallmark card or some kind of a gift? Well, maybe your Valentine's Day was a little disappointing. Um, like this lady here who got a scrub brush. You know, somebody said to me, Pastor, what kitchen gadget are you getting your wife for Valentine's Day? And I said, you know what? I didn't even think about that. What a great idea. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't have time. Our Valentine's Day was a little messed up this year. We saw each other for about a minute in the morning, and then she was off to work, I was off to work, and then I had to take five junior high boys to Southern California for a basketball uh, tournament. Spending Valentine's Day with five junior high boys. <laughs> and uh, so I flew back yesterday morning so I could do church, and she flew down yesterday morning to supervise the boys and drive them back today. So our Valentines might have been a wave from each airplane as we passed each other in the sky. So a little disappointing, but you know what? It just shows that sometimes the way we express love or maybe even the love we have for someone can be kind of disappointing. But this month, our message is about getting our hopes up, about not being disappointed, but having a confidence and assurance of things. And that's all based on God. And so today I want to talk about getting your hopes up for love because we need it. I'm going to base it on the remarks that the Apostle Paul made in the great love chapter of the Bible, the great Valentine chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, where he concludes by saying, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. What did he see that he could say the greatest thing is love? You know, our world is kind of messed up about love. What is love and how do you measure it? On Valentine's Day, as I was driving to Southern California, here was a big billboard that said, love is, and it had a bottle of wine. You listen to some commercials, and it talks about, well, buy these big teddy bears for your Valentines. Or it, I, there was even one where they had some ladies discussing about how, yeah, their husbands get them all this jewelry and all stuff, but what they really wanted was a new car. Really, is that what love is, the expression, uh, 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 the expression of love by the kind of gift that we give? The world has different views of love. Maybe it's based on how you express it with material things. Maybe it is the physical expression. For some, it's just the expression of a friendship, like the kids who give Valentine cards out at school, right? But then there's also that, that deeply committed love that spouses make to one another when they get married. So there's all different views on, on what love is. Even the Bible says there's different kinds of love. In the Greek New Testament, there are three different words for love. One that refers to physical love, another that refers to friendship love, and another that refers to a deeply committed, unselfish 
love. And that was the kind of love that Paul was talking about, and that's the kind of love God demonstrates to us. So as we're expressing or talking about getting our hopes, love, let, hopes up, let's first be reminded that hope for us is not a wish, it's not a want, it's an expectation. We can expect this from God. We can expect his love because it's based on the promises he made and kept in Jesus Christ. And so when he talks about the three great things that remain, faith, hope, and love, we can with assurance say we have God's perfect love. Now what is perfect love? What does it look like? Well, if you're familiar with this great Valentine chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, you maybe have heard these words which were spoken maybe at a wedding ceremony. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, Paul certainly was using these words to encourage us in our love. But since we're talking about God's love, does he meet these standards? If this is the perfect description of love, love in action, then we should see these things from God. And we do. Just look at that first one. Love is patient. Isn't God patient? Patient with us? Patient with the world? The Bible tells us that, that God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to the truth and be saved. God is waiting to come back until more people believe. Look how patient he was with people in the Bible. The Old Testament people, for example. Boy, it must have really been a headache for God to see how unfaithful they could be, how they continually disobeyed him and, and turned away from him. And yet God was always so patient. Yes, sometimes he punished them. Sometimes he, he disciplined them, all for the purpose of bringing them back to him. Because he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish. God certainly is patient with us. And so we like to say that God's love is unconditional. That despite our faithlessness, despite how faith, unfaithful we can be and disobedient to him, God is never unfaithful to us. There's no conditions set on his love. There is no requirement that we have to meet in order for God to love us. Now, we believe here, I'm sure, that God loves us. But it's not because, you know, we're good. It's not because we're better than some other people. God loves all people because God is love. And so we say God's love is unconditional. No requirements. Well, looking again at the rest of that description, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. From that we would say God's love is unselfish. 
God does not just think about himself. He's thinking about us. He's thinking about our needs and what he can do to meet those needs. That's why Jesus left heaven and all the glories up there to come here and to live a, that'd be a miserable life. And to be scorned by people and to take upon himself our guilt and to be punished in our place. Jesus did that because he was thinking about us, not himself. And that's true of God even now. He continues to bless us and to forgive us and to save us. It goes on, it says, he doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hope, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so we'd say that God's love is unfailing. It says he keeps no record of wrongs. You know, God knows everything, right? He knows all the things that we have done, the good and the bad. He knows all of the bad we've done when we don't even know it all. And yet it says he doesn't keep a record of wrongs. The psalmist said, Lord, if you kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. He removes all of our wrongs, cleansing our record with the blood of Jesus Christ that removes all of our sins and replacing it instead with the righteousness of Jesus through our faith in him. That's God's unfailing love. No matter how much we sin, he's always forgiving. His forgiveness has no end. And likewise, then, he protects. He perseveres. God, God endures our unfaithfulness because he himself is faithful. He doesn't rejoice in the evil. That is, God doesn't say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Bork this week. I'm really going to teach him a lesson. He doesn't rejoice in that. He rejoices only in the truth, in the righteousness, in the, in the righteousness of Jesus and the blessings that he gives us. And so God's love is unfailing toward us. And when we think of unfailing, we mean also it doesn't stop. And so we can say also it's unending. As the prophet Jeremiah said, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. God's love is unending. He will never stop loving us. In fact, he has always loved us. The Bible tells us God loved us already before the world was created. Now, there's proof that God doesn't love us just because we were good. Because before we even existed, God loved us. That's unfailing love. That's eternal love from before the world way into eternity future. God's love never ends. Beautiful description of God's perfect love, and we have it. But my question for you is, do you know it? Now, you may know those words. You may even say it. I know God loves me. But when I say, do you know it, I mean, do you experience it? Is that what you see working in your life? 
And sometimes we see the troubles. We experience the hardships. And maybe we wonder, does God love me? Then why is this happening? Let me tell you how you can know, how you can experience God's unfailing, unconditional, unselfish love. Start here. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were unfaithful, God continued with his plan to send his son to bring us forgiveness and eternal life. That's where we start. Start with forgiveness. And be reassured of that forgiveness when you receive the Lord's Supper. For there God is giving you the very price that was paid for your forgiveness. The body and blood of Jesus. It's there in the bread and the wine. That's what his words teach. And with that, God is giving us assurance of his love. That no matter what is happening in our life, he is forgiven and he loves and will only, only bless. But when you have seen that forgiveness, then look around and see everything else that God has given. All examples of his love. So get to know God's love. Grow in that love. Hear it. Learn it. Believe it. Cling to it. Never give it up. Because you have God's perfect love. Don't substitute anything else for it. Now, Paul wrote this valentine, so to speak, God's valentine, to the church in Corinth. Corinth was a very um, rich city, very wealthy. We, we might compare it to a, a, a New York or a, or a Bay Area where they had a lot of wealth. A lot of stuff was going for them. The economy was good. The commerce was up. People from all over the world were pouring into those areas. And there was this Christian congregation. But they had some problems. Even though they were blessed so materially, they failed in love. They weren't really expressing love towards one another. And so Paul had to remind them how Love is that greatest gift and that unfailing gift from God. And so he was urging them now that as they had God's perfect love, so they should share God's perfect love. Now they were clear examples, as you and I would be too, that our love is not perfect. It's imperfect. God did tell us that we are now to love others. And yet we have to admit that our love isn't perfect, even though intentions may be good. Sometimes we just don't say the right things. Sometimes we maybe miss what other people really need. Sometimes we just turn the other way because we don't think we can do anything. And sometimes we just don't want to do anything. We fail in many ways to have a perfect love. But God didn't call us to share our love. He wants us to share his perfect love. So while our love is imperfect, his goal is that through our love we would be sharing his love. So 
let's go back and look at those words again and see how is my love shining Jesus' love. Hear those words. Is your love patient? Is it kind? Is it not envious, not boasting, not proud? Is it not dishonoring others, not self-seeking, not easily angered or keeping a record of wrongs? Does it not delight in the evil that other people experience, but rather rejoices in the truth and the blessings that God gives? Is it always protecting and trusting and hoping and persevering? Is it unfailing? You can easily see how our love is imperfect. But can I make God's love shine through that? I can do that if I lead them to God. So here's how I can do that. Sometimes we express our love just with words, words of encouragement, right? So we might say, well, oh, I hope things get better for you. How about this? I know God will bless you. See the difference? Or maybe, you know, I'll be praying for you. I'm sure that God has got a plan to bless you. You see the difference between, well, I hope things get better, and pointing them to God? And finally, what we want to do is lead them to Christ. Now, maybe that won't happen right away, but through our little words of encouragement, through our own examples, maybe we can draw them closer to Christ. And so they learn of God's perfect love. That's what God has called us to do. Share his love, but through our love. Well, Valentine's Day is over. Till next year. I found it interesting, right, that we have to have a special holiday in which we are reminded to do something to show love to somebody we love. And that kind of begs the question then, have you shown your love in a special way since Valentine's Day? Now, maybe when my wife returns tonight about one in the morning, maybe I'll get up and <laughs> welcome her, or maybe I'll just wait till tomorrow morning. <laughs> the point is, sometimes we need that encouragement. But even though Valentine's Day is over, our calling to share God's love is not over. And so there's something that we need to do, and that is share God's love. And in that way, we will get people's hopes up because we have a God of love. Amen.